All right, welcome back to the next episode of the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist. <laughs> I still have as my guest my wife, Alyssa. Hello. And our friend, Allie. Hi. Now, just as a little tidbit, did you guys know that diabetes mellitus, which is what diabetes is, stands for sweet urine? No. Sweet blood. No, sweet urine. Oh, like, sweet that's what pee. it means. Sweet pee. So, P-E-E. Sweet pee. <laughs> I don't get it. Is that the lotion from yeah. Bed Bath & Beyond? Yeah. Bath & Body Works. Whatever. Good that's try. All the same. Okay. So. <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond. But like, think about how you used to have to test for diabetes. If it's sweet urine. With your pee stick. No. Hmm? Yes, Allie. <laughs> you had to drink it. What? Yes, you have to figure you out to how sweet it? it was. Wait, 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 wait. So did you have to compare <laughs> it to regular urine? That's a quality question. Was this like a doctor's job to drink it? Or did they I'm have sure a they designated that to the, the nurse. Yeah. That is terrible. All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll get into diabetes some more. This is Zach Cordell, registered dietitian and host for the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist, where food, faith, and science meet. This podcast is not intended to be individualized medical advice. As always, please consult with a medical professional in your area to make sure that your medical history is taken into account to make sure that you get the best care possible. question that Ali asked from our last podcast was so when you were 11 you just had to straight up figure out how to take care of your diabetes because Alyssa has one type 1 diabetes was diagnosed at the age of 11 was in the hospital and basically just had to uh, figure it all out there right how did it work for you yeah just like that bada bing and then I knew everything <laughs> Bam. she's a fast learner <laughs> No, yeah, they, um, when you're diagnosed with type 1, they admit you to the hospital, and like Zach said in the last podcast, they have a diabetes team, um, so an endocrinologist, which is specialist with the endocrine system, which... Hormones. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they have a dietitian come and talk to you about your food and how many exchanges carbs you need per units of insulin so you're learning a lot of math and a lot of it's you know Were a you totally quick lesson freak? like totally freak well i knew a girl that had diabetes when i was in elementary school um and i had watched her test her blood sugar before and i remember thinking how terrible it would be to have diabetes. Oh. <laughs> and look what you did. I Jinxed ended up it. the next year getting the same glucose meter and just being like, okay, this is my life now. I'm doing this. Owning it. Um, I was nervous at first. I don't think I totally knew the full ramifications of this lifelong disease that I would have, but. Um, I felt like I was a pretty tough kid, so I took it on. Ironically, 
so in the hospital you have to learn how to test your own blood sugar and give shots um there were insulin pumps at the time but um they put me on injections initially to learn how to do that because if your pump fails you have to give shots yeah um so shots is the way to learn but i was okay giving myself shots but it took me hours to test my own blood sugar by pricking my finger really? wait, wait, wait. so let's let's like paint the picture for those people that like might not know somebody with diabetes uh you might be very special because a lot of people have diabetes type one or type two so you're okay with like drawing up insulin into a syringe mm-hmm. and injecting it into your stomach or your arm or your love thigh. handles or your thigh right <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're not okay just like having a little needle prick your finger for you to be able to like put blood on the stick to test what your blood glucose is at that time correct and as a disclaimer the um lancets that they use to prick your finger in the hospital are for like old people with rubber skin because it's so thick (laughs) so my tiny little 11 year old finger had this like humongous needle go into my finger and that was scary to me whereas the needles to inject myself with were thinner and they were going into my thigh but it's basically a game of would you rather stab yourself with a big needle correct or get a splinter in your finger right yeah and i was all about the thighs you're (laughs) i was all about the thighs i was fine with that the bottom line is you have to do both because if you don't prick your finger you don't know what your blood glucose is if you don't know what your blood glucose is you don't know how how much insulin to give why is it the finger so they've actually come out with different ways to do it now, but that was just like the easiest way to access blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there's other ways where you can do it, um, where they're trying to do, I believe there's one where they're doing breath. What? Or they the just have like a skin, like a, it's like a nicoderm patch mm-hmm. for like a nicotine medication where they just have it on you and you can test it like that. Well, we're going to have to talk about how that works later because I feel like that's a whole other thing I'm not going to get. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It is um, cool. And like Alyssa said, there are pumps that people will use instead of using syringes. Um, blade. That just administer the insulin to you on its own. Right. So, well, it doesn't necessarily do it all on its own. You still have to kind of plug it in. But it's like a cell phone. Like, it's really handy to have this smartphone that you can use, but the smartphone only is going to do what you tell it to do. Gotcha. Right. So the same thing would happen with a pump. And there's different ones that you can use. There's ones that like don't have cords. There's ones that do have cords. Um, there's ones that you can like control with your phone. So there's a whole bunch of different options when it comes to using a glucose pump. But did you go not a glucose, an insulin pump? An insulin pump. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Did you go to diabetes camp? I did. Okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that Is year. Is that like that camp? For diabetes. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) You have to have diabetes to go. So, yeah. Um, It was my first year, my first summer of having diabetes. Because I was diagnosed in September, and then the next summer, um, I went to diabetes camp. Camp Najetta in New Jersey. Shout out to all those at Camp Najetta listening (laughs) to the Latter-day Saint nutritionist. Um, Yeah, I went when I was 11. You stay for a week. You have your... Counselors also have type 1, and they're Aww. older, you know, they're in their te- late teens, early 20s. 
and it's really just what do you regular do? camp with like kayaks, canoes, water sports. There was a pool. You stay in cabins, but everyone was diabetic. Well, either diabetic or they were there to help administer insulin or um, there were kids there with other like growth hormone issues so then endocrinologists were there to help them with that but really and then when you went into the cafeteria like all the carb exchanges were up on the menu board so you knew how much insulin you would need depending on how many exchanges there were so can you imagine if like your whole life was just like diabetes camp and you never had to think about like anything you ate and it was just everywhere all the time yes Okay, so as your younger self, maybe this didn't stick out to you, maybe it didn't matter, but did you care that you met other people with type 1 diabetes? Totally. I think in my school there was another boy that had diabetes, but I didn't really, I think he was older and I didn't really jive with him, so I didn't feel a connection. But at diabetes camp, it was like, well, I guess there were two kind of polarizing feelings. Like, I'm here with a bunch of people that, know what I'm going through and I don't have to explain it. Nobody's going to ask me what my pump is. We're all yeah, just a they bunch all think of kids. That's pagers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at that time I got a pump, so I had that connected to me. But it, yeah, it just looks like a pager that you clip to your belt. Um, but on the other hand, it was kind of like what made me different wasn't a factor anymore. I so wasn't the kid with diabetes. Is it kind of like whenever I grew up in North Carolina and I was the only member of the church and then yes. I go to Utah or Idaho and like I'm not cool anymore because yeah. I'm yes. just like everybody else? Definitely. Yeah. That happened to me. Same situation. <laughs> diabetes? <laughs> I did not have diabetes. Didn't have to stab myself at all. Okay. <laughs> but I was the only Latter-day Saint kid in my yeah. Besides my sister, and we won't go there. So you brought up stabbing yourself and uh, going back to the whole needle thing. One of the funny things that I, I hear people say to Alyssa is, oh my gosh, I hate needles. I can't stand needles. I would just... Oh. You must love needles, Alyssa. <laughs> I do, obviously. Favorite? I bet you already had a sturdy collection of needles before <laughs> you even got diabetes. And we're like, yes, I finally need my needles. Yeah, I know. Yeah, people say that to me all the time. Like, oh, if I I can't imagine having diabetes, I could never. I would just die. Right. Because you would just die. Right. And that's what I say. I'm like, well, it's kind of, it's life or death. <laughs> and if you do it once and you're like, hey, this I feel better taking this insulin, you're going to do it again. And you're going to live. And you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, because literally if you're type 1 diabetic and you do not give yourself insulin, you're going to die. Like, right. you, you have to. So it's either I prick my finger, find out what my blood glucose is, and administer the appropriate amount of medication. Or, or you tell God how much you don't like needles in heaven. <laughs> Basically. Correct. Okay, so the other thing that I was going to bring up about this is that with type 1 diabetes, there is no cure for this. And so it is a lifelong thing. There's, there's a lot of research that's going on with the artificial pancreas and finding ways to make it easier to manage. There are like the insulin pens, there's the syringes, there's the pumps, and there's a lot of helpful tools that are out there. Like a CGM. Yeah, so explain what a CGM is. 
So I have a CGM that uh, it's the Dexcom G6. What does CGM mean? It means continuous glucose monitor. Okay. And you wear it as another site. So what is a site? I don't know what that means. You're using right. a lot of lingo I know. Here. It's hard to break it down when you're used to that language. But a site is basically where you have um, a... How do I say it in a non-diabetic way? But you have either your... Um, what do you call it? How do I say <laughs> it in a non-diabetic way? Okay, so, all right. So one way you can think about it is... Whenever you have a pump, so an insulin pump that's going to administer the medication for you as you tell it to, you have to have that connected to your body. And so there's a spot on your body where you have basically a piece of tape that is connected to that pump, or you just have the pump taped to your body. And so that's With a, a catheter site. that's about a fourth of an inch under your skin. Right. So it's taped to your body, and there's like this little piece of plastic that they've put into you that will like drip the insulin to you. With the CGM, what they do is it's a different section where they like tape a different like robot, not robot, but like a different computer, uh, computer to you that is going to just like continue testing what your blood glucose is or what your glucose levels are. And from that, it can guesstimate what your blood glucose would be. So rather than like having a test every like couple of hours, you can you. test twice a day or it will alert you if you're going too low or you're going too high. Yeah, it will. And by they, he means the person with diabetes. Because a lot of people ask if my doctor puts the pump on or puts the CGM on. And um, no, then I'd have to go to the doctor every three days. <laughs> so the person with diabetes. Wait, 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 wait. Allie just shot you a look. I'm so confused. <laughs> okay, so my pump... Yeah, let's visually de demonstrate because everything he just said was so confusing for me. Okay. Also, the word robot on you is like, what? <laughs> you, you've used the word cyborg before. Yes, I have. Um, so this goes into you. Correct. And she, right now, what is this, it going she's into specifically? My just fat. The fat. No, okay. It's just going into fat, it's not going into veins or my okay. pancreas. Because you made it sound like it was just shooting in the dark. Yeah, basically. I mean, you have sites which are like deemed fatty like sections enough of the body. Okay, for so the that's insulin. what we're talking about when you say that. Yes. Yeah. Your sites are like your upper thighs, your upper buttocks, your love handles, your stomach, and inch around fatty your areas. belly. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can also do the back of your arm. That's another space, but. So the pump will administer the insulin under the skin, but the I have to put on my own pump, um, and it's not hard. I also have to put on my CGM, which, thank goodness, they've made them a lot easier. It used to be like skewering yourself. Oh, no. It was like a needle that was like half the size of your pinky. Yeah. Like half the length of your pinky. And just like... <laughs> it yeah, was just like that. That was actually perfect. Terrible. And I would have to look at a picture of my grandma on the wall and talk to her while I did <laughs> because it was it was just too much. So thank goodness some diabetic out there spoke up and said, this is ridiculous. Um, and it's so much easier to put in now. But so those two sites are under your skin. One of them reads your 
blood sugar every five minutes and can send that information to your phone, depending on what CGM you have. Um, and then the other one is obviously your insulin pump that's dripping the insulin in rather than giving shots. So this one is like your needle and syringe. Yes. And this one is your finger prick. Correct. Okay. But you still have to, every once in a while, depending on which CGM you have, you still have to calibrate it. So you still have to test your blood glucose every once in a while to make sure that it's still, yeah, with your finger, to make sure that the CGM is still accurate. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. With the G6, you don't have to, but it's always good for peace of mind. G6, she's just dropping like the G6, not the Pontiac G6. (laughs) Dexcom G6. But yeah, so that's the the model of CGM that she's using now, where you don't necessarily have to calibrate it because it's so accurate. Right. But how often do you replace your pump? My pump is every three days, so it can hold, uh, it holds 170 units of insulin. And um, how big is a unit? Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Tiny. is that a no, hard question? You're Tiny. fine. So whenever you're dropping 170 you're units, just saying, I don't... That's a little thing on you right there, and you said a big number, and I was just right. wondering how big are these... There must be a bunch of tiny things in there. Well, I... So for those of you listening, I wear an Omnipod, um, which is does not have a cable. Um, so some of the pumps are like a little pager with the long cable connected to the site so you can take it off, you can clip it to your bra or your thigh, move it around. Um, The Omnipod is its own encapsulated pod. (laughs) (laughs) And inside, you put the insulin into it, you don't have to take it off to take a shower, and um, it just stays wherever you've glued it to yourself. (laughs) There's no cable. so in this, this has, it's like its own little pump, this whole thing. And I throw this whole thing away, which feels weird when I take it off. But you inject the insulin into this. Into it, the pod. Into the pod. It will, you'll tell it to prime. It'll prime and get the insulin to the very tip. And then um, it gives you, you the inject right it. Correct. Each time that you need it. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I thought that that. Thing was just the thing that was on you. It was like your little extra arm that's always there. I did not know that you switch it out. Yes, yeah. So every three days it runs out. And if you don't change um, your site, where the catheter goes under your skin, it can get infected. And obvi- Oh, so you move it around. Yes, yeah. So those sites that I talked about, the thighs, stomach, buttocks, back of your arms, you want to rotate those because you will get um, scar tissue buildup, and then it yeah. makes it so it doesn't work as well. Yeah, the absorption's not as good. Huh. So, I've only ever seen it on your belly. Yeah. So, well, now that I'm not pregnant, I can wear it on my belly. And <laughs> it's great. I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah, and so you change the pod every three days. Right. With the CGM, how many? How often do you change that? Um. Now with the G6, it's ten days. Okay. So every three days you change your pod, mm-hmm. but you don't have to give shots. Correct. With the CGM, you change that every 10 days, but you don't have to test your blood glucose with like the finger prick as often. Correct. Now, whenever you're giving food, 
whenever you're to eating my food, mouth. <laughs> <laughs> whenever uh-huh. you're going to eat food, like take us through the thought process of what it's like for you to eat food. Okay. Before I had kids, it was... Um, Wait, you mean life changes after kids? Yeah. <laughs> now it's kind of like, oh, did I eat that granola bar? I don't remember. I let no me idea. let me see. Yes, I did, and I did not give insulin for it. Right, but with the granola bar, whether you like remember to eat it or not, like, what do you need to do when you eat something? Like, what's the process? So, the rule is um, to give insulin before you eat. Um, <laughs> We have a snoring dog over there. <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> um, so the rule is to give insulin before you eat. That way the insulin has time to be ready to take the food to your cells. Um, if you give the insulin too late, then the blood, the sugar is already in your blood and you're basically chasing it. Um, and so that can get a little tricky. So what you do is you... Um, let's say that my granola bar is 20 grams and I have a 1 to 15 ratio. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 20 grams of? Carbohydrates. And 1 to 15? One unit to every 15 grams of carbohydrates. Can I break this down and make it a little bit simpler? <laughs> yes, yes, please. Okay, so everybody has their own sensitivity level for insulin. Some people need more insulin than other people. Um, and so whenever Alyssa is mentioning her sensitivity level, what that means is that she needs to take a certain amount of insulin for as many, a certain amount of carbohydrates. So if she has 15 grams of carbohydrates, she has to give one unit of insulin. If she has 70 grams of carbohydrates, she needs to have however many units per her sensitivity. Does that Will make your sense? pump keep up with that kind of thing? Yeah, so the great thing about the pump is it will do the math for you um, and you can put your information into it tell it what your sensitivity is what your ratios are and you test your blood sugar you hit the next button and it'll say this is how much insulin you need for to bring your blood sugar down and then you'll put in the amount of carbohydrates that you're going to eat and it'll say this is how much insulin will cover those carbohydrates and then you hit enter so how do you find your sensitivity level like ratio or whatever you called it so you pretty much it's when you go to the endocrinologist yeah. and they monitor what your blood glucose usually is so they can test your a1c and whenever they test your a1c that's a three-month test of what your blood glucose usually is mm-hmm. and all that is the test is just like how much sugar is on your red blood cells because red blood cells die every three months and they hold on to the sugar that's like floating through your bloodstream and okay. so from like how much glucose is hanging onto your blood cells, they can see what your usual blood glucose is. And so from cool. that, they can like try out different sensitivities and error. to figure out what would be best for you. Right. Gotcha. I just didn't know if that was another thing that was also on you right. to so, figure out. So this yeah. is where we go back to Allie. Allie, what do you do whenever you eat? Well... I make something that I think I want my kid to eat, and then she doesn't eat it, and I eat that and give her what she wanted. <laughs> but you don't like bolus. You don't like test no, your blood I sugar. Do not before I, yeah. Before I eat. Okay, so this gets me to the point where, and 
maybe we should talk about like type 2 diabetes, but we'll do that in just a second. So with anyone that has diabetes, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so whenever you're at like this family reunion and you're like, Aunt Hilda, you're not supposed to have the sweet potato casserole. Like <laughs> she knows she has diabetes. Mm-hmm. It is not your job to go in and smack those sweet potato casserole like out of her hand. So you can like remind her if you want to, if she has dementia or something where <laughs> she can't remember. But the reality is, is that somebody that has diabetes knows they have diabetes. Mm-hmm. This is not a revelation to them whenever you're like, did you know that carrots have carbohydrates in them and you shouldn't eat them? <laughs> Obviously, Alyssa knows way more about diabetes than I do. Okay. So, so first off, let me just say you can have carrots if you have diabetes. Uh, you can also have watermelon. Some kid in elementary school told me I could not have carrots. And I was like, who are you? You hear all kinds of funny things whenever uh, somebody has diabetes. But just yes. know that like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And one of the things that really... I think puts it into perspective for people is that if somebody has a heart attack, they are given a medication. They're told to take that medication in the morning or at night, or they're told to take that medication in morning and night. And so they do. But if they go for a run, they don't have to take a different dose of that medication. Or if they eat more food or if they eat less food, they don't have to take a different dose. They just take the dose. Mm -hmm. When somebody has diabetes, if you're gonna eat pasta, you give different insulin than different amounts of insulin. If then if you're going to eat a kale salad, mm-hmm. then you would if you're going to eat pizza. Then you would if you're gonna eat mac and cheese. Then you would if you're going to eat eggplant parmesan. So just know that managing diabetes is a lot more difficult than managing most other illnesses. Not that it's impossible. But it's difficult, and it's every single meal, and sometimes more. Um, so, so just keep that in mind whenever you have a family member that has diabetes, and you're like, why don't they just take care of it? It's because it's hard. Yeah. So if you don't have it, do what you can to not get it. If you have it, do what you can to manage it. Like, it's always going to be better to take care of it or to prevent it than it would be to... Just be like, well, whatever. We'll see what happens. I know people that <laughs> that just say, well, my dad's got diabetes. My mom's got diabetes. My uncle's got diabetes. If you don't have diabetes, by the time you're 30, you're kind of a failure in my family. And that's so sad. Ugh. Right. You, you don't want... Be a failure of the family. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want diabetes. No. And, and it's not just like this thing that is going to happen to you. There's a lot of things that you can do to reduce your risk. Right, I was gonna say when you were talking about not bugging your family members and it kind of being a math equation always floating in your brain, um, that it's almost like you're playing a game of chess against a different person with each meal that you eat. And Sometimes it's easy to win against someone else. Sometimes it's really difficult. Um, And it can be really emotional. And so if you have a family member then step in and be like, you need to win, 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 win. And you're like, I'm trying. 
it can kind of be like that situation. Like you're playing it, this isn't making sense. That makes total sense. Okay. <laughs> because the reality is, is that like you understand that you're in the middle of a fight. Right. So when somebody comes in and like, hey, you're in a fight. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I just got punched because you... Distracted in, me. <laughs> you interrupted me. <laughs> so just know that it really is a fight. I feel like... There are some days that I'm like, I've got this. This is no problem. And then there's other days where it's like, man, if I just didn't have diabetes, my life would be so easy. (laughs) (laughs) So keep that in mind. If you have family members with diabetes, they know they have it, and they're trying, even if it may not look like they are. (laughs) One of my favorite things, and when I say favorite, I'm being very sarcastic, is when people find out that I'm a dietitian and that Alyssa has type 1 diabetes and they're like, oh my gosh, that's like perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you he can fix her alive. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you guys are just like the, the perfect couple because you're sick and he can fix you. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, I'm not her dietitian. If she wants help, I'm happy to help. But I'm not like going to come in and be like, did you know that the carbohydrate ratio in this is the complex carbohydrates and the fiber and it's like spit it I'm out not, yeah spit it out <laughs> yeah. spit it out like yeah. that's not my job he's and, my husband first right. and i had a different dietitian when i was pregnant and needed a lot of direction i wasn't going to ask him to be a twin dad and my dietitian <laughs> which it, it isn't fair it wouldn't be fair to Alyssa for me to to be there and it wouldn't be fair to me Right. To re- require that of either of us. Right. Right. Yeah. And so when people say that, it's always just funny because you're like, well, no, not really. I mean, it's nice that I have this knowledge. Yeah. And we have and that's, conversations. That's not to say that I don't ask him a lot of questions. And he has a lot of insight. And we follow, you know, a pretty good diet, roundabout diet. So it's not like I'm hounding him or he's hounding me but it's pretty mutual can i can i tell the story about uh when you said i didn't know anything about diabetes sure. i'd like to hear the story <laughs> i don't know it you know it okay. you were there this is the whole thing so whenever we had first got married i was going through school i was finishing up my undergrad oh, yeah i do know this story <laughs> i was finishing up my uh my undergrad in human nutrition and dietetics and Alyssa something was going on and I was like well you need to make sure that you're doing this <laughs> and she looked at me and said you don't act like you know what's going on with the diabetes because again she thought that I was just the outsider coming in and be like yeah hey you know you got diabetes right <laughs> and she's like you don't know what's going on and I just was like Actually, I understand that the glucagon is going to be essential in making sure that it's bringing your blood glucose back up if you're going to be dropping too low. And just like spouted all this stuff off. And she's like, oh, you're right. You do know. <laughs> so, yeah. You didn't smack him in the face? <laughs> I didn't. I used to be really mean, guys. And I didn't smack him. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's never smacked me. No, I have not. Just to clarify. But yeah, I mean, like, it's just one of those things where it's a very personal illness. Right. Um, and when people, when I hear people say, I'm just going to get diabetes and that's just the way that it is, to me, I feel like I would never hear somebody say, oh, I'm just going to get cancer and that's the way that it is. 
It's just, eh, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I just love food so much. This cake's going to give me cancer. <laughs> Hashtag love cake. Hashtag love cancer. Like, it's, a, it's not funny when you talk about cancer. But when you talk about diabetes, it's just like, oh, that's just what old people get. But that's right. it's, it's not easy to manage. It's not fun. And you also don't get diabetes from eating cake. That's true. So when you're at a party and you're like, oh, we're all going to get diabetes, somebody's thinking in the corner, shove it up your butt. <laughs> because they're sick of hearing that. Thank you, Stanley. Because <laughs> it's not true. Anything you guys want to add? Um, I think just the background of having a disease your whole life can feel super daunting and um, diabetes is one of those diseases that can be I don't know super hard on your self-esteem because let's say with high blood pressure or with cancer these are things that a doctor is administering something to you and you are just taking it um, you don't have to calculate and um, figure things out every single meal by yourself so with diabetes a lot of you see a number all the time and you can take that personally like oh I'm I forgot to give insulin for this and now my blood sugar is high and that's my fault or um, I gave too much insulin and now I'm low and that's my fault and now I'm going to be late to this and if I didn't, you know, fail at this disease, then I could live. And I just want to say that that's not true. <laughs> to myself, I want to say that. <laughs> that even though I think it's a disease that's particularly hard because you're constantly seeing a value that you can place on yourself, the number value of your blood sugar. And... Um, it's a disease that can feel like it might be all over the place and it needs constant care, but that doesn't mean um, that as an individual that's reflective of your efforts. So, and I feel like we should bring up the gospel because that's your podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um... I think that with diabetes, it's been a struggle to kind of figure out what diabetes means. So if you think about every stage of your life, like your adolescence, your um, early 20s, your late 20s, and your 30s, which is where I am now, <laughs> each stage has different, uh, you know, complications there's a million things going on in each stage and puberty's hard high school's hard your 20s are the decade of change did Hinkley say that the, the decade of decisions decisions I think that was Nelson but it was a long time ago yeah which also implies change um, and then your 30s you feel like okay maybe I know what I'm doing now which is a long time. That's 20 years. <laughs> um, and 
So for me, diabetes and the gospel have been either intermingled or indifferent to one another at different stages. And I think I've been able to appreciate diabetes as a trial um, now later on, being able to see like what it truly is like to try and control this body that I've been given and knowing that it really is a gift and really wanting to keep it and take care of it and live a long healthy life and sometimes thinking about that so much is like crippling because it's kind of a gift to be ignorant (laughs) and not have to think about what your organs are doing all the time and so uh, it's given me insight to the gift that our Heavenly Father has given us and how complex it is. And since I have to think for one of my organs and it's so incredibly overwhelming sometimes, I um, am super grateful that I don't have to think for my other organs. <laughs> and what a gift my body truly is. But that I guess it doesn't go without saying that I felt the opposite that diabetes is a curse and that I've like my life would be so much easier and I could be a better tool to Heavenly Father if I didn't have this disease but um you know the ebb and flow of life as it is oh this is just pieces of a thought it's not a complete thought (laughs) But in reference to the gospel, obviously I don't have diabetes, so I don't have the perspective on that. But something Zach said earlier about people thinking, oh, I'm just going to get diabetes. That's what's going to happen to me. You know, I think that in health in general, in fitness, and that's a perspective of people a lot that, like, I've had a kid and now I'm just going to be fat and that's who I'm going to be. And in the gospel, I think that kind of perspective of settling can kind of fall on people, whether like, I'm just not gonna make it to the place that I need to make it to, to get to the place that I need to be, to get all of these things, you know, to take care of myself 100%, to be perfect with my insulin all the time, spiritually. And I think that recognizing that as long as you are doing your best with your diabetes, with your health, with your fitness, with your spiritual strength and your everything that you've got going on, that like God sees that and that will reflect in your mental health, that will reflect in your physical health. Like when you're doing your best and you tell yourself, I am doing my best and not that I'm failing at doing my best or I'm struggling to do my best, recognizing my best is what I'm doing and it's good enough and it will get me to being better in my habits with my insulin or in my fitness or in uh, strengthening my body and strengthening my spiritual perspective and strengthening my mind that that's a huge step in like mind body spiritual connection and control in this life right for sure I, I would completely agree with that I would say with a caveat that there's a lot of mental health that comes along with either type one or type two. 
-hmm. Because with type one, you didn't do anything to get this. Like there was nothing that you could have changed necessarily as of we know right now that would have prevented you from developing type one diabetes. And so for you, it just, it happened to you. Right. And so like you could always say like, woe is me? Like, why did this happen to me? So on and so forth. With type two diabetes, there are things that you can do to reduce your risk for developing it. But if you have type two, you could also have the mental like perspective of, I should have done things to change this. I should have done things to prevent this. There are things that I could have done that would have made this a lot easier to manage and so on and so forth. And so I, I agree with you. I think that yes, there are certain things that we can do and as long as we're doing our best, then the Lord will take care of the rest. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have those days where it's like, I'm doing my best and my best isn't good enough. Mm. Like the number isn't where I need it to be. My health isn't where I need it to be. I still need to take this medication. I still need to do these things. And that can be hard because in the gospel we're told that you do the best and the Lord will take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. And that's true in the eternal scheme. But sometimes in the mortal time frame, we do our best, and he will take care of us, but we still are in a mortal world. Well, our trials still have consequences. Right. We can be, because Ali, when you were talking, I was thinking, like, the atonement works for all things, and it will make up for my lack and all of our lacks. Um but it's like if you make a decision and it has a consequence you're still stuck with that consequence um like i've had uh, a couple times where i've had to go to the hospital because my blood sugar has been too high and um that was a consequence right and one time it was because i was really sick and I couldn't get my blood sugar to come, blood sugar to come down. And another time, it's because I was negligent, right? And so it's like, those are consequences. Um, and I believe that we're given trials that have consequences to also teach us, right? That it's not just going to magically go away because you prayed about it. And I, I think it was Henry Eyring, but. Do not quote me on that. Oh, you're quoted on it. It's reported. (laughs) Somebody important with great spiritual wisdom said that the gospel and the atonement in Jesus Christ will not take away your trials, but it will give you tons of tools to help you handle those trials. Like, because we're here to be tested, which we're not here to come and cheat off each other and then all get back together. We're here to test and work and we're also giving all of these things, all of these tools to ace the test, do what we need to do. But if you don't use the tools, like how Zach said earlier about how some people are will get diagnosed with type two or something, just be like, well, I've got di- diabetes now. This is this is what I this is diabetes. This is what I am. Right. There's, yeah. We're gonna keep eating the cake, you know. Right. Not that diabetes gives you. Or not the cake <laughs> gives you diabetes. But if the tools are given to you and you have all the tools and you don't pick up a single one, you're just going to idle or decline, you know, in terms of health, in terms of spirituality, in terms of 
anything. Right. If you just hope things happen to you without working to make them happen, nothing's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, is Alyssa and I have had a, like a lot of awesome conversations about diabetes. And one of the things that she's had to deal with that she's taught me is that she focuses very much on, I have to take care of this illness right now. And I was very much a person like, okay, so in five years, in 10 years, in 25 years, in 50 years, <laughs> what is going to be our plan? What do we want to do? What do I we want to accomplish? I think that applies to Zach in every situation, yeah. not it's just very diabetes. True. <laughs> it's true, right? But Alyssa would just say like, I need to think about right now. Mm-hmm. And so it changes how you think about society too, because you're not just worried about like, what is the job that I'm going to get, but it's what job am I going to get that's going to offer me health insurance so that I can take care of this illness that I have mm-hmm. because I have to have medical insurance. Right. And so it shapes a lot of different things, but it just it will influence how you see the world. And that's where it goes back to Ali was saying um, of how it's all individual. Like the test you mentioned, I was just thinking there's no, like as a professor, I give out a test and there's, test A and a test B and I have 60 students that are either getting test A or test B but there's like 8 billion different tests Mm -hmm. that Heavenly Father is giving out and it's all individual and so we have to manage what it is that we have and and pass the test for us Um, and the nice thing is like Alyssa mentioned is that the atonement is not just there for the sins and shortcomings but it's there to empower and edify and inspire too so any other thoughts amen Mm -hmm. (laughs) amen sister all right so thank you again for listening to the latter-day saint nutritionist uh this has been zach cordell and i've had Alyssa, my wonderful wife and our friend Allie, here to uh to talk about how, how diabetes looks in real life and how that can equate to the gospel. Again, we're planning on being out in Utah for BYU's Education Week along with the Sunstone Conference. So be sure to follow me on social media at Zach Cordell RDM in order to know when we're going to try and host a meetup so that I can uh, meet some of you guys face-to-face and we can hang out. And if you're lucky, maybe we'll, we'll include food. And twins. Twins are cute. Oh, yeah, and twins. So (laughs) I'll bring my family, you bring yours. Deal? Done. All right, we'll talk soon.